Hello and welcome to the VanCast. I'm your host, Graham Eels, and today I'm with my old friend, Spencer Graffos. How are you doing, Spencer? Good, Graham. How are you? I'm doing very well. So you are in the real estate market. I would just like you to give everyone a little background on what it was like coming from high school and going into real estate. Okay. Um, Just after I graduated high school, I had the inclination to go to university and you know with the intention originally of perhaps getting into law uh, ubc arts take that route uh, segue sort of into law school from there but uh, i got cold feet and i chose not to go to university um, just for the simple fact that you know i really wanted to allow myself to spread my wings and enjoy life a little bit and yeah meet new people and have some fun and yeah. you know take on some new experiences so that's what I chose to do. I, I worked in uh, restaurants and hospitality straight yeah. out of high school. Worked at a few restaurants around the city uh, that you might know of. So Sandbar, Caprice, Nightclub, uh, Sandbar, Granville Island, local public eatery, Kitsilano, uh, Backstage Lounge, Granville Island. So I worked at a few spots. Around Did you enjoy that? I enjoyed it a lot. So that's the one thing that I really... Yeah, I mean, it's sort of it sort of segues into what we're going to talk about in terms of real estate customer service, um, you know, loving being around people and, and serving others. I think that restaurants sort of set the precedent for me of really enjoying dealing with people, working with people and uh, making people happy. And I think that's that's what sort of got things going for me. Well, it is very similar hospitality, right? It's you got your client or you have your customer and you need yeah. to know their needs you need to know what they want what totally. sort of things they look into so totally yeah and you know whether i was bussing bar backing bartending like i just wanted to do the best job possible and you know really make everyone around me happy whether it was the people i was working for or whether it was the customer i just i really I, yeah i developed like a passion for seeing people enjoy their experiences so well, I'm I'm also the type of person where when I see other people are happy, it makes me more happy. Absolutely. Especially when it's Absolutely. affected from something I've done. Absolutely. And I think, yeah, that's that's a super important aspect for sure. But I think, yeah, the differentiation is just to find that fulfillment and happiness on your own and, and, and to be sort of indifferent to other how other people affect you as well. But to also recognize the potential that you have to bring out, you know, the happiness in others as well. So, so did that give the little flashlight over the head and you thought, hey, you know, what about real estate? You know what? I wish it happened that way. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I wish it happened that way. You know, in hindsight, it would have been great to just say, hey, listen, like, this is great. Wow. I, I love yeah. dealing with people. I love serving people. I love being in the industry. I love being social. Um, and just to sort of get into real estate from that, uh, end of things, but I didn't, to be honest, I, uh, you know, for me, um, I really enjoyed restaurants and nightclubs, but it, it you know, the lifestyle that came with it was, you know, a lot to handle at the time, you know, it, it is was very aggressive. Like a lot of them, they drink all the time. There's drugs. There's a lot of, it's a wild scene in the restaurant definitely a wild scene and um you know you can only do that for so long and i think for someone like myself who has always seen myself doing more in life than just working in restaurants and 100 not to take away from that whatsoever but i just found that you wanted to be your own boss yeah yeah not only that i i wanted to learn a new skill i wanted to be challenged and i think that's where 
that's where I saw myself hit a sort of wall was mm-hmm. I was very complacent in the lifestyle I was in, the people I was hanging out with, whatever I was doing, I was very complacent and it drove me uh, not into a good place, just purely out of just complacency because that's the type of person I am. You know, like if I'm not being challenged or motivated or, or pushed uh, forward, I tend to implode. So um, I actually, after working in restaurants and clubs, sort of took a step back. Um, and honestly, the this is pretty much the honest truth of how I got into real estate was I took a six, seven month hiatus after restaurants. What's a hiatus? So just like a break from everything. Yeah. Just (laughs) to kind of like figure yourself out. Just to figure myself out. You know, at the time it was, it was a lot of fear about, you know, do I go back to university? Oh, but I'm two years behind. Oh, what's that going to look like? Oh, yeah, what are people I'm over think here about that? four years behind. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, you know yeah. what? It's not a race. And in, and in hindsight, you know, those fears were just fears, right? It's all mindset at the end of the day. It's but only an obstacle put in the way from yourself. You're the only one Absolutely. setting that obstacle. Absolutely. And if it, you know, if something sparked my interest enough to want to go back to school, I definitely would have. Uh, but nothing really did. Yeah. And school's not going anywhere. It's staying right there. It's always there. It's always there. It's always there. But I never saw myself, you know, needing school to get into any sort of business or because I, you know, one thing I did learn from the restaurant industry was the power of relationships and, and, oh, it's so and, crazy. And the currency of relationships. Who you and know, I, man. Who you know. And, um, you know, I, I observed that through my time in restaurants that, you know, a lot of the business people that would come in would know each other, uh, not only from, you know, referrals or businesses they were helping each other in a lot of other ways too, right? Like building a network and, and allowing yourself to be of value to others was the number one sort of thing that I noticed for sure. So that all being said, um, so I took a seven month step back, uh, evaluated my life. And to be honest, during that time, it was uh, it was a pretty rough period for sure. Um, I'd put on probably got up to like 270 pounds which for me was not a good weight (laughs) and how tall are you just for perspective of everyone else yeah i'm six feet okay so for 270 like it was just way too i was overweight yeah but you know like taking seven months off work and being the intense personality that i am i just drove all my uh (laughs) all my uh time into eating and uh you know not doing much so i um so i you know got up to 270 and then i really i really looked at myself in the mirror and I was like, Hey, you know, you need to do something just different. like the old Michael Jackson, you know, look in the mirror and make a change. There you go. That's yeah. right. Um, so didn't quite lose the weight right there and then, but, uh, slowly over time get into that as well. But basically I applied at Rennie as a sales coordinator. So Rennie, just to give everyone a background is, uh, for the most part, a project marketing company. Uh, we work with the top 26 developers in the lower mainland here in cool. Vancouver. Cool. Um, uh, we built Olympic Village. Um, oh, wow. Or not, we didn't, we helped sell You're, Olympic Village. Yeah, sorry, yeah. Uh, I'll correct that. And uh, a lot of other projects throughout the city, notable projects throughout the city. So um, yeah, we help developers sell their product as well as we also have a full service real estate brokerage as well. So I applied as a sales coordinator, which is essentially, you know, at an administrative position. Uh, at first, I worked on two sites, uh, the addition in Yaletown. Did and- you need any requirements just to apply? Did you need any? No. Yeah. Um, no, it was a minimum wage job. Uh, very administrative. Yeah. Um, I had restaurant experience and I had a relationship on the end of Rennie to sort of get myself through the door. Nice. Um, but aside from that, no, it was just purely 
you know, people would come through the presentation center. I'd greet them and then refer them to the salesperson. Yeah. So. Okay. Starting uh, job. You got to start somewhere. Got to start somewhere for sure. And um, so I started doing that. And, uh, uh, you know, after a few months of doing that, you know, a lot of the salespeople and a lot of people at the company started to, you know, put the bug in my ear to say, hey, listen, like you seem to be very proactive with people that are coming through the door. And it sort of goes back to what I was saying before. When I was a busser, I talked to the tables sometimes more than the servers did. Yeah. You know, like it was all about relationships. It was all about establishing rapport. And I did the same thing at Rennie. Like I, even as a coordinator, people would come through the PC and I would engage with them as if I was a salesperson already. And um, I was, it was suggested to me to go get my license. Um, so essentially just to get your, just so everyone knows to get your real estate license, it's a, it's a year long course at Sauter school of business, self-paced. Okay. Um, I did it in six weeks. And that's at UBC. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I got it over with pretty quickly, um, just because I was motivated and I wanted to see what, what happened, you know? Um, so I, um, so I got my license and then I approached, um, the top agent at Rennie at the time, John Sai. Uh, who's a mentor and good friend uh, to this day. Um, he was selling 150, 200 homes a year. Oh and, my God. Uh, on a regular Vancouver, basis. that is a lot of money. On a, <laughs> does very well. And, yeah. uh, you know, I, I looked at a guy like that with unmatched discipline and charisma and um, dedication to what he did. And I, and I aspired to that. So I approached him and I said, hey, you know, hey, John, um, do you have a position for me? And, uh, you know, uh, we ended up, he ended up bringing me on and just as a cold caller, essentially. So basically what I did for eight hours a day was I prospected. Uh, just trying to get them clients, trying to get them clients, trying to get us appointments, trying to get us listings. And, uh, which is not easy work. I've, I've done calling and it's like, it's difficult because you got to deal with people saying F you. You got to deal with time. people saying, I don't want to deal with your... All the time. And it's like, maybe you'll hit one in a hundred. Totally. And, you know, and that's big, right? Totally. And, uh, you know, I did that for probably close to a year and a half. So I essentially what I would call that was a, I was a licensed assistant. So I was I was licensed with Rennie, but I was, wasn't working for myself under my own brand or uh, doing deals under my own name. I was sort of working on behalf of uh, John and the team that I was working for. And uh, I cold called for eight hours a day, five days a week, uh, until I got to a point where I, you know, obviously saw potential within myself to, to sell as well. Um, and uh, I ended up moving brokerages. I went from Rennie to TRG in Kitsilano. And what I did there was took all the knowledge that I learned from John on the residential side of things, but then I also mentored under a family friend of mine, Chris Tsurimoko. Uh, He's a big West Side uh, commercial real estate agent. Cool. Um, he was a family friend of mine, and I approached him and I said, "Hey, you know, this is what I was doing for John at Rennie. Uh, would you mind if I cold called on the commercial side of things for about a year?" Um, and so I did that. So I did my own residential. So that was my first year in the business, uh, working for myself on the residential side of things, and. Um, you know, I, I cold called for Chris on the commercial side of things, and then things got. You just going. want to learn everything, don't you? I was, yeah, I was, I was willing, man. I was willing to put in the work, and I yeah. was, I was willing to be a sponge because, you know, I always approach every situation and and that I put myself in like I have a lot to learn, and and that I'm willing to watch other people and 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 be the best person that I can be. Um, 
just based on what I'm observing from others. So, um, yeah, after about a year at TRG, I decided for myself to, uh, sort of shuffle and, and get back to Rennie where my roots were and, uh, where I think I could build a stronger brand and more recognition for my business. And so I ended up going back and here we are. You like the, not the commercial side, but the residential side a little better. No, not necessarily. I, I went to that brokerage to sort of learn from a family friend, but that that being said, I can I can work with him from anywhere. But Rennie is where I really wanted to be long term because it caters to all aspects of the business that I that I would like to participate in, from residential real estate um, to commercial real estate. If I'm dealing with you know investors or landlords or or, or developers, you know we have you know tons of projects all over the city that I can, you know, that's a huge value proposition to any, uh, anyone on the commercial side of things or, and then obviously having the pre-sale, uh, access to sites that we do at Rennie, uh, I can help my clients get access to pre-sale projects all over the lower mainland as well. So, so what have you been doing with Rennie recently? Uh, so with Rennie, um, obviously selling, yeah. you know, residential and commercial real estate as I do. Uh, but recently, you know, I've taken on uh, a role as sales lead for two projects, Sparrow and Chinatown and Fraser Commons. Uh, Congratulations. Southeast, Southeast Vancouver, thank you. Um, so managing uh, 76 units um, and selling those, uh, and which is leftover inventory from our initial launch and just trying to sell those uh, units for our developers. So. so how do you come around selling that stuff what does it take to sell you gotta communicate with people you gotta yeah re- yeah for the most part it's responding to inquiries through email or, or phone calls or you know obviously marketing myself through social media or you know outreach to different agents throughout the city that uh pr- you know do these types of transactions all the time and just putting the bug in their ear that these units are available and uh, providing them with information. So, uh, a lot of a lot of real estate and a lot of sales in general is just a lot of action and taking a lot of action and putting yourself out there. It's a lot of stimuli, right? I think if you throw, you know, there's the expression "throw shit against the wall." You got to throw a ton of shit against the wall to get, <laughs> to get yourself going, man. Like seriously, um, <laughs> right? Yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> but it keeps things interesting, right? Because. The more you're putting yourself out there, the more you're putting out there, the more people you're meeting, the more uh, the more you're getting back a lot of the time too. The more so, you learn. The more you learn, right? So that's that's what keeps me going and that's why I enjoy what I do. So What separates, uh, I don't like to say good and bad, but what separates a successful real estate agent from an unsuccessful one? Yeah, from my observation, uh, a successful real estate agent is someone that treats their, you know, treats their their situation and what they do like a business, you know, like, because if you're committed, if you're doing what you do day in, day out, um, and serving your clients and you're committed to the process, um, you have no... You have no reservations, right? I mean, that's that's what separates unsuccessful from successful agents in that sense is uh, I see a lot of agents out there that um, they don't make calls, they don't knock on doors, uh, they don't do open houses, uh, they don't do a ton of things that, you know, perhaps out of fear, perhaps out of, you know, over analysis. Um, and, you know, I think, you know, inhibiting yourself in that sense can hold you back from growing. So I think being committed one, and then working off your momentum, right? It's it's nice yeah. when you get a sale, but at the same time, on to the next. And you, you can't know? let that momentum stop. 
absolutely not. Like I, that, and that's something too, you know, some people, you know, when they sell one, sell two, Oh, it's oh, sweet. Put oh, my sweet. Up. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Oh, I'm going to take off. Like, you know, like you, if when, once you start selling, you leverage that to get more sales because, you know, when you're getting in front of new prospects, it's hard enough closing, uh, you know, someone on, on giving you a listing or working with a buyer when you haven't worked with anyone before, you kind of have to put yourself out there and provide as much value as possible. So once you start to establish a track record, then that's even more fuel to the fire to go out and say, Hey, look what I've been doing. Look what I've been able to provide to other people. And that, and that really carries you forward. So I would say working off of momentum and the ability to commit to what you do is what separates. Well, I'll, g- I'll give an example. Like I, I, right now I work for a landscaping company and I call clients and I try to like sell them on stuff. Yeah. And today, like in the first like two hours, I got five sales, which is more than I'll get in most days. Yeah. And I could have stopped. I could have put my feet up and been like, yeah, I got a good amount of money, yeah, whatever. Yeah. But no, I'm like, I'm hot right now. Yeah, exactly. I got to keep exactly. keep the heat, use the heat. And exactly. I, I ended the day with 17 sales. Because exactly. I just, I just exactly. kept that. Same with basketball, right? You think they shoot a three yeah. and then they're like, oh, bench him. Yeah, no, no, like he's no, gonna no. he's gonna go shoot those threes, shoot those threes, exactly, until exactly. he literally it's can't shoot analogy. threes anymore. It's a great analogy, right? Yeah, I totally agree. I think that's that pretty much encompasses. Yeah. That's, yeah, you that, you, you got to you got to be willing it. to just keep going and also being a real estate agent sometimes you work under people but mainly you are technically self-employed so you need to have yeah. drive for yourself. Absolutely. A lot of people need someone pushing them. Yeah, that see that's the that's the fundamental difference as well as when you treat what you do like a business, you wake up every day with obligations to yourself and to your clients, right? So um and that's it's a decision how you want to live your life right like don't get me wrong uh, there are some days where you know i'm canceling dinners with friends or postponing uh, dinners because i have to be at the office and i have to be available for people that are counting on me yeah um so and that all being said you know staying up late and then all of a sudden i have a meeting the next morning and then i have to be in bed and then i have to get up and go to the gym and do it all over again so um yeah it's definitely a commitment to you know what you want in your life but at the same time um everything different things make different people happy you know like for me uh, providing value to other people, being a value to other people, uh, makes me happy. And, uh, in that process, I, I can build myself and my brand and build the life I want. So this is kind of an interesting question, but what's your daily routine from waking up to yeah. the end of your day? Cause sure. you do a lot of things, you work out, you have a good diet. So I'm yeah. just wondering, um, I would say, so two, two important parts of my day, uh, are working out first thing in the morning. Right when you wake so, up? Right when I wake up. Do you have a meal first? No, I don't eat until... So you do, so fat, you do it fasted? I, I I fast... So, okay, if you want to go back to where I lost the weight initially. So what I yeah. what I did when I lost the weight initially is I did the ketogenic diet for a few months. Did you do uh, the meat one or the fasting keto? I did high fat, moderate protein, Okay. low carbs. Yeah. Um, so I did that for a few months and I lost... I went from 270 to 230 or so. Um, and then I noticed that, you know, like I really want to enjoy my life too. And this is not as functional. And it's like you don't get to eat like no. a lot of stuff and you want to have no. those vegetables and those carbs. You want yeah. Balance. Yeah. You yeah. want to, yeah. You want to have some balance in your life and you yeah. want to enjoy your life too. And you don't want to be the guy that orders a steak and veggies with the ex- two extra sides of butter everywhere you go. Cause you know, <laughs> yeah. that's not, that's not a good time. Yeah. <laughs> right. So, yeah. um, 
yeah so after the initial sort of weight loss I, I then i started implementing exercise back into my life and that really honestly like exercise working out uh having that discipline and waking up every day and doing that uh, that that was life-changing to me uh because what it allowed me to do was first of all shed the weight uh down to a weight that i'm now like 185 190 uh, a weight that i'm comfortable with and a, and a weight that allows me to be as productive as I, I would like to be um but not only that like i would say like it builds a discipline within you to sort of you know recognize that you're you're the small wins that you do on a daily basis the small promises that you keep like to yourself the extra 2.5 pounds on your bench press you there know? you go yeah, yeah it builds a, it builds an integrity within yourself and a mindset that says hey listen like i told myself i would do something and i'm here whether i would like to be or not uh, I'm here and I'm showing up. And th that's also going back to also what we're talking about in terms of being a great real estate agent or even a good entrepreneur or a good business person. It's showing up every day, regardless of whatever's going on in your life, you know, because life happens, things, things are tough you sometimes. You've got to keep life and work separate. Yeah. But, you know, not only that, I think, I think a lot of what life throws at you is able to be mitigated by the mindset that you carry with yourself on a daily basis, 100%. right? Like, I mean, shitty things happen to everyone, you yeah. know, but it's, it's a matter of whether we allow those things to fester as stories in our lives that feed into a mentality that, you know, breeds complacency or, or, or victimhood, or do we, you know, allow ourselves to sort of um, take life as it comes and also retain like a mindset that says, hey, listen, I can handle anything that life well, it's, throws It's all perspective, right? Like there's people that say, oh, bird shot on my head. That's that's shitty. And then there's people that say, oh, that's lucky. You know, and it's right. all, it's the same thing. It's totally. just the way you look at it. It's the way you look at it's it. It's the way you look Absolutely. at it. Absolutely. And you, you really choose your happiness because you choose Absolutely. what you think about. Absolutely. And if you're going to be thinking about things that bring you down, well, guess what's going to happen? You're going to go down. Absolutely. But if you think about things that uplift you and you think, oh, well, this happened, but I can do this. I can get yeah. better. You're in a good spot. Totally. And it and it's all, it all coincides with sales and entrepreneurship and, and, and discipline and working out. And it's all, it's all cyclical because, you know, when you're feeling good, about yourself when you have that mindset that I'm going to be happy and I'm going to be I'm going to be positive today regardless of what life throws at me your sales are going to go up your 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 network is going to grow you're going to build more relationships better relationships because you're you're putting out a positive vibe you're putting out a positive attitude that people are more receptive to too so I think it's all all encompassing at the end of the day so you do you wake up you don't have breakfast you skip it you go for your workout. Go for my workout. Which is then, around an hour or so. Yeah, like give or take, like yeah, an hour, hour and a half. Um, uh, yeah, probably closer to an hour. It's like 7, 8 a.m.? Um, so from 6 a.m. to 8 a.m., depending on, you know. What you're doing. What I'm doing. How my day panned out yesterday, how my day is panning out today. Between 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. You know, I was doing 6 a.m. every Monday to Friday for a very long time. And um, I just noticed that a networking plays a huge whole, uh, role in what I do now. So, you know, when I'm out at an event or at a friend's gathering, I, I don't want to always be the person to say, hey, I got to wake up at 5.30 a.m. and I got to go. And yeah, so, yeah, you yeah. know, I can be a little bit more flexible with that as long as I show up and I do what I say well, I'm going to do. And as long as you get it done. 
Exactly, as long as you get it done. That's, so, that's the main reason. So, um, yeah, so I'll do that, and then I will come home, get dressed, get to the office. Um, I'll typically set out some prospecting activities that bring me new business. Uh, so I'll make cold calls uh, to, say, expired listings, listings that I tried to sell, they couldn't. I would call them uh, and see if I can help them. Um, or I would call you know, a potential client or I would reach out to someone for lunch or reach out to someone for a coffee. And uh, I would spend my morning sort of orienting where my business is at and, and, and reaching out to potential new clients. So. For me, I have a, a little book where, you know, I'll write down, oh, Jimmy, I want to call him back Friday. Oh, this person. Do you have a little book of business that you use to reference? Yeah. So what I do is um, I do have a contact management system. Um, so what I do is I'll schedule follow-up calls with people depending on when I talk to them. Hey, you know, this person said that they'd like to sell in February. So I'd call them on, you know, in January, (laughs) (laughs) um, or I'd call them, you know, Hey, they'd like to sell in two months. So I'll call them in, you know, in 15 days Yeah, and just see what's going on. Right. Um, so yeah, I'll, I'll definitely stay in touch with my leads, but I'll also plug into my calendar actually like text this person call this person i will literally plug in who i need to get in touch with who i haven't seen for a while and try and maintain it's tough to maintain a lot of relationships all the time uh but you know try your best and uh you know as long as you're there for other people and so um but yeah so i'll do that so i'll orient sort of my my prospecting, getting new clients, my strategies at the beginning of the day. And then uh, I, I I won't have lunch if I don't have to. Um, I, if and I you're have, still fasted from the morning, right? Still fasted. Yeah. Uh, so I won't have lunch if I don't have to. If I am meeting a client, if I am, if I do have lunch plans, I have lunch. That's uh, it's, it's business. <laughs> don't skip that. It's, it's business. <laughs> but uh, if I don't have to, then I'll, I'll just work right through. Um, and I'll, in the afternoons, I'll move towards appointments and whatever I can get on the first half of the day. Say, you know, if I call someone, I book an appointment, I'll go on that appointment in the second half of the day. Or I'll, I'll update my buyer database in terms of homes that are available, homes that I would think are good fits. Uh, and then my afternoons are typically like appointments slash showings uh, for potential buyers or potential uh, or listings that I have. So, um, so aside from that, um, yeah. And then at nights, you know, I'll, you know, I'll rifle through social media. I'll watch what other realtors are doing um, at nighttime. Like, honestly, like it's, I'm very committed to what I do. So even when I go home and I'm just relaxing at the end of the day, like I will be researching the shit out of other people and, and seeing what other people are doing and making mental notes in terms of like what I can do differently or better. So, well, you can see that you're obsessed and that's really good. Very because obsessed for care. sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. Like I, um, I can't sleep at night uh, unless I know my clients are happy, or you know, if there's an ongoing deal and negotiations. Like I'll, I will literally go to bed thinking about my clients and hoping that they're okay and everything. Dreaming going about well. your clients. Dreaming yeah, about right. The yeah. Home. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, you know what? It's just like when someone instills responsibility within you. I think it's a part of my personality to want to want to do the best job well, for them. Well, it reflects right. on you, right, as a person. Absolutely. You don't want them going and being no. like, yeah, Spencer was, was didn't help me out. You want him being like, he did everything he could. 
Absolutely. I called him Absolutely. at one in the morning and he picked up. You know? Yeah. And, and that's the thing, right? Like I, yeah, I really, it really makes me happy to, to, to help other people and to be there for other people. And I think that, yeah, that's, that's one thing that occupies a lot of my mind all the time. What so. do you think about the whole, um, Vancouver market? Um, how do you like working in the market and how is it compared yeah. to other markets? Well, I think the Vancouver market has been on a upswing for the for the vast majority of the last 10 years. Vast majority of forever. Yeah, I like. mean, yeah, definitely. So the one thing about Vancouver is we're very limited geographically. I mean, we have oceans and, uh, you know, mountains. So we can only build so much. Um, so, and also fun fact. So our city, over 60% of our land is single family homes. Um, wow. And with, for a, for for a larger city uh, on the, not that we're a large city in comparison to Toronto or, or New yeah. York or LA, but you know, for a larger city like Vancouver, it's very rare that 60% of our land is single family homes. It'll so be more multifamily. Well, yeah, you, you go to Toronto and you'll be hard pressed to find a house uh, maybe 20 minutes outside of the city. Right. Yeah. So, you know, Vancouver is very unique in that sense. So I think that f over the last like, yeah, like you said, five to 10 years, there's been a lot of development here and there's been a lot of uh, densification. Um, and there's been a lot of immigration as well. So um, the market, 20, 2016 was a very hot time. Uh, you know, houses were going like well above asking. Um, you know, condos were on the market for two days and they were getting multiple offers. And the market sort of took a, took a turn. Uh, 2017, 2018, more so at the near end of 2017, 2017 and into 2018. And then uh, sort of, on or end 2019 as well, it was sort of more balanced. Um, so it took a bit of a downturn, then sort of balanced out. And then into 2020 now, we're starting to see a lot more activity. So it seems like the market is very active right now. Oh, yeah. Very active. Yeah. Like uh, I had a family friend, I forget the numbers, but... They they had like nine or ten offers. <laughs> it's like yeah. it's like holy yeah. crap. Yeah, you know what? There was a house uh, recently in Kitsilano. Uh, it was listed. Uh, it was a thirty three foot lot, just land value, uh, listed at one point eight eight million, and uh, had forty two offers on it sold. Holy crap! Forty two offers sold for two point four zero eight. Jesus. So, so that's well above asking price, and two point four for a lot in Kits is probably a couple hundred thousand dollars more than what would have would have gone for last year i would say do you see so. a lot of international as well um so when we had our foreign buyers tax come in um you know that obviously discouraged a lot of foreign buyers from coming in because they don't want to pay they don't like, want to pay it yeah i mean it's a very high tax so um but aside from that we are seeing a lot of local buyers but um with family help so uh, the fact of the matter is, is there's a lot of wealth in this city. Incredible um, amount. Incredible amount of wealth in this city. And, you know, within the next 10 to 15 years, there's going to be probably one of the biggest transfers of wealth um, historically. Well, also... But the biggest transfer of wealth historically. There's, like, Google's coming to Vancouver. Amazon's yeah. building, taking an entire block and building their biggest yeah. place yet. Yeah. So, so obviously... People see Vancouver as being kind of a hub, not for only sure. for real estate, but for business. For sure. I think that, yeah, I think that because of our robust consumer economy uh, and because of the 
transfer of wealth that I just referred to as well. I mean, you have a lot of our generation that, you know, maybe their family has tons of wealth or wealth in real estate. Um, they're more consumer driven than their predecessors, right? Oh. Than our parents, right? So well, look, look at the kids younger you know. than us, even. It's like, oh, it's just goods insane. consume them. Oh, it's just insane. It is I, insane. Even the phone, it's. Uh, oh dude, I had. I, t- I had to tell you a funny story. I Boxing Day, okay? I'm at Nordstrom's just picking up some stuff. Yeah. And uh, I see this kid like having a full on temper tantrum, trying to get his mom to buy him a Balenciaga t shirt for 500 bucks, saying, like, Jimmy has one at school. <laughs> and I'm just like, and I just like, it put it into perspective for me. Just it's such a Vancouver thing. I was like, my parents bought me the same clothes they bought my brother, you know? Yeah, like, I got like, I, had ma- I had matching clothes with my brother, and this guy's asking for a $600 t-shirt? Like, what the fuck? Well, honestly, <laughs> if you could put Vancouver as, like, a mission statement, like, that's it. Unreal. It's like, I just... Unreal. A ridiculous amount of wealth and privilege in this in this city. Yeah, and, and yeah, not only that, it, it's sort of it's changed the way people live their lives as well. You know, uh, my observation is that um, you know a lot of people have become more materialistic. I used to be right? a loss prevention officer and do security for like those big places like Nordstroms and stuff, yeah. and like I even did Rolex, and there would be. The, the people that stole the most weren't like people that weren't wealthy. Yeah. It was actually the people that were wealthy, but not as wealthy as their friends. So all their friends were like so wealthy, they could buy like $10,000 bags, anything they wanted. And yeah. the, these people were so jealous to fit in. They yeah. could buy like $200 bags, but they couldn't yeah. buy like, so they would steal this stuff just so that it's they unreal. could fit in with their it's friends unreal. and have, have that have It's like that relative symbol. spoiledness. Yeah. Right. It's like, and you know what? At the end of the day, too, it's uh, that's one of the things I I really enjoy about entrepreneurship and real estate is like your your activities reflect your production. Yep. You know, and who you are and what you do on a daily basis reflects your the results that you get out and, of your life. You yep. know, so um, you know, and some people have more help than others, and and that and that's okay. You know, like that's life, right? Like I, and and that's it's one of those things I think especially in a city like this to come to terms with just the fact that everyone is dealt a different set of cards and it's what you do with it. Yep. There's people that get a Royal flush and end up with Absolutely. nothing. And, and there's people that get a Royal flush and they flush it down the drain. Yeah. <laughs> so you gotta, you right. gotta be willing to take what you have and just don't look at everyone else. Like I need to be better or I need no. to be on top. No, you're on your own no. path. It's Absolutely. your own book. Dude, I honestly, like I have, uh, one of the things like for me is I spent so long focusing on what other people were doing. Yeah. And uh, it's just the most crippling way to live your life because you are in the audience watching everyone play the game. While you're not playing the game, everyone else is improving and moving forward. And the moment you stop focusing on what other people are doing and focus on yourself is the moment you start realizing that the true beauty in life is found within the journey is found within the trials and tribulations and, and the ups and the downs and, and those moments of, wow, I did something I never thought I could do, or I, um, I reached a new milestone for myself. I think it's Aristotle that says the, one of the biggest keys to happiness is accomplishing things, 
having goals, yeah. setting them yeah. and reaching them. Cause you get this feeling of fulfillment Absolutely. and it's just, it's amazing. Absolutely. Like I, like Absolutely. how was your first sale? Like what, what came over you? Uh, it was an incredible feeling. I, yeah, it, it was an incredible, incredible feeling. And just seeing a family friend that had trusted me with the sale of, uh, their mother's house that had passed away. Um, I, I took on the listing in Kitsilano and, um, it was no easy. I probably held 26 open houses. Um, I had brought him, you know, six offers and a few of them weren't at a price that we were happy with. And, you know, that obviously being my first sale, there was a lot of speculation as well. Um, from, from family, everyone, family, friends, yeah. whatever. And people Yourself, saying, like, you know, you listed with a, with a young guy that like, you know, sure? doesn't have a lot of, are yeah. you sure? Like, yeah. are you sure? And I ended up getting like the highest price for the neighborhood, um, for that year. That's what I'm talking uh, for, about for for a single family home in that zoning. So, um, yeah, and I just I I the feeling that I got when I saw their face and they're smiling, I just like it's irreplaceable. Even I I bought my I bought my cousins into a house in uh, house in Burnaby, and they bought their first family house, and um, I remember uh, when they had their first daughter, Alessia. Um, I went in. It's funny. I called. Uh, I called my cousin. And I said, "Hey, congratulations. Um, when can I come visit?" And he's like, "Well, we're not having family until like this day." But he's like, "But you can come." Like, oh wow! And uh, you're dude, you're I, even closer than the family, bro. Dude, I I um, <laughs> that feels amazing. Wow. Dude, I was driving to uh, the hospital and I was just like, "This is crazy." Like this is absolutely crazy. You didn't like, realize to the extent of the relationship you've developed. It's like that's the thing. Like I didn't realize. Like I, wow. I set the. I I I helped them plant seeds in terms of where they're going to start their family, and um, I'm you know to meet my my niece and 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 everything like that. That was it was a beautiful moment. For like sure. You you basically started them on a new chapter and for sure. And it's like, this is their house. Like, this is where they're going to be living, growing, raising this child. For sure. And, um, yeah, no, it was the most amazing feeling in the world. For sure. That's cool, man. So what do you do for fun? Like, what do you what do, do, do when, you're, when you're not just knees deep in this? Yeah, um, I love to, so I love to do some crazy stuff, to be honest. <laughs> uh, I love to go for hikes. I love to go... Um, I do a lot of socializing as well. Like I do a lot of events. I do a lot of networking. And to me, and, and, and people might beg to differ, but I find that fun. You know, like I find, I find it fun to like hang out with different groups and go out and, and meet new people and, uh, you know, try new things. So yeah. what well, challenges you, right? Cause you, for sure, for a lot of people, coming to a new area, especially in Vancouver, it's, it's very yeah. cliquey, right? So people don't really want to differ from their clique and go talk to other people. For sure. And uh, I've never been any different. <laughs> I've never been any, yeah, I've never been any different. I, um, if you planted me somewhere in, in Belgium, uh, sitting at a random bar, I would love it. I would just like, yeah. Yeah, whenever I go on vacation with friends, like I'm the guy that wanders out of the hotel room and just goes and adventures around by myself because I just, I don't know, I love striking up conversation with new people and learning about others and, and uh, just having spontaneous experiences. So. Well, what I like is you can be whoever you want and also any like predetermined 
ideas about you are gone. So like, yeah. you know, like people, people that I know from high school and stuff, they already have all these preset things about yeah. who you are. Yeah, but and that's like, bullshit too. I could come up and be like freaking a millionaire driving my car and they're like, oh yeah, that's, that's still that kid that you know was weird in high school or whatever right who they'll never they'll never change their perspective so exactly who That's cares who gives a shit honestly no one cares you know what you know what at the end of the day i i feel sorry for people that that live their life like that because um i'm under the impression that everyone is constantly changing yeah. so who am i to who am i to refer to someone based on my one one impression of them seven years ago you know, yeah. um, so I think that whoever lives their life like that, I feel sorry for them, and that's it. I, I, I have, and I also, um, I make time for for most people, but I the people I don't make time for are people that uh, that don't support each other. You know, I, I think it's really important that. Well, if they don't support you, why would you? Would you why would you take your time? To give yeah. all your energy when none of it's coming back. Yeah, that's the thing. Like I, I you know, I, I give my all to, to other people and I'm there for other people. Um, but uh, I think, you know, we're all on this journey called life. And uh, I think we all sh- we should all be happy for each other. Right. Like and, and try and help each other. out. Oh, that's, dude, that's, don't that's even get mindset. me started. It's like people people assume that we're we're so divided. Like, oh, well, I'm in Vancouver. Oh, I'm I'm in Canada. It's like, no, we we're on Earth. Like we're all yeah. here. It's a big world. To, out it's there. a big world. It's not like, yeah. oh yeah, well that's happening and over there. Well, it, it's all connected. It, people get stuck in their bubble. Us. People yeah. get stuck in their bubble and they think that's all that matters and they think their, yeah, their their version of reality is the only one that exists and it's just like the biggest delusion. Well, people are allowed to have different opinions. <laughs> it's allowed to happen. Yeah, totally. And, yeah. and you know what? I think we're we're all here to respect one another. And, and lift each other up. So. so do you have a favorite bar downtown or anything? Or? Um, favorite bar? Uh, I hang out in Yaletown a decent amount. Um, uh, usual spots. What about, what about restaurant? Restaurants. Uh, you know, one of my favorite restaurants is uh, Nook, uh, Italian restaurant. There's three locations now. Okay. Kitsilano, Olympic Village, and Denman. What do you then? order? Uh, so I order the rigatoni bashkiola. Rigatoni bashkiola. It's like a very creamy truffle <laughs> oh, mushroom. Oh, you had me at truffle. Rigatoni. Yeah, it's it's phenomenal. It's phenomenal. Um, so, but my very fa- like if we're talking like number one restaurant. Yeah, we're talking like the biggest real estate agent in the world is like, buddy, I want I want you to take me to lunch in Vancouver. Okay. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. It's a very interesting question because. My favorite old style steakhouse is Highs. Okay? okay, so I love going to Highs. I love the steak there. I love the cheese toast. If I were to tell you my, f- this is my favorite family style restaurant in Vancouver, bar none, no question. Minerva's in Caresdale. I don't know if you've ever been. I haven't. Okay, highly recommend. Uh, it's on like Forty First and Elm. So, they source their steaks from the same supplier is highs as well um but it's phenomenal it's phenomenal i saw it when i go there i got these beef ribs that are like flintstone size oh like, baby yeah oh fuck it's barbecue so good, sauce yeah, sauce ho- like up. homemade barbecue sauce um and you can order a big steak with it and pasta and you medium rare guy rare 
I actually ordered my steak Chicago rare. So what they do is they sear it on either side. Yeah, Chicago style. They get Chicago that nice style. They get nice black and crust. So it's like very well done on the outside, but then the it's completely inside. rare on the inside. You know, I wouldn't Best mind trying worlds. that. I like that. I should. Because I normally get it rare. It's amazing. And then just I've been ordering. Little... So a family, family friend of mine, uh, I've been close to their family for years. Uh, my friend's dad ordered a steak like that at the keg like must have been 10 years ago and i and i was like i took note of it and i was like hey i might start ordering my steak like that ever since it's funny you say that because every time i actually do that a lot where like i don't always come up with ideas for myself myself i'll like see someone else doing it and i'll be like oh yeah that looks kind of imitation is the best form of flattery yeah it's like you look at them yeah i like the way he has his jacket or you know i like i like that way he carries himself and that's the thing man like take it self so we are all self-manifested based on the experiences the people that we've accounted encountered in our lives and the lessons we've learned you know yeah so like yeah i mean absolutely do you when i when i go out and i and i sit in front of a client or or i operate in the world do i attribute a lot of my behavioral choices to people that i aspire to for sure well i look up to a lot of people like bruce lee Will Smith. There you go. Terry Crews. Exactly. You know? So if you wake up and you're like, hey, should I go to the gym? And David Goggins. Go back to bed. Get the fuck out of bed, you pussy. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> what would David Goggins do? He, he wouldn't would, even would, be having this fucking conversation. Yeah, he would be already like, be at the gym. He'd be already at the gym. So like, yeah. Yeah, man. Like you just got to, yeah, always uh, always do better and, and look to others. So where do you or see do yourself you in uh, five years as like a goal? What's your goal for the next? Be see yourself in five years. Uh, five years. Um, I would like to sell over a hundred million dollars annually in real estate. Uh, I'd like to have a team. Um, I would like to focus on higher end luxury product through throughout Vancouver, and I would like to on the residential side of things, but also on the commercial side of things, work with developers and and do large acquisitions and and large uh, land sales as well. So. So one last question. What does your dream home look like? You don't have to go all in detail about, oh, you know, I want a picture of the Mona Lisa yeah. over here. Yeah, yeah, but... <laughs> yeah. Okay, okay. So if I were to describe my dream home, uh, my dream situation. Anywhere in the world as well. Dream situation, yeah. Uh, uh, let's stick to Vancouver. Let's okay, stick we'll to Vancouver. Stick. Let's stick to Vancouver. Um, because if it was anywhere in the world, then we could get really yeah, creative. Yeah, you'd get right? crazy, crazy with it. Yeah, we could get wacky with it. But um, in Vancouver, I would say I would love to... I'd love the Fairmont Pacific Rim penthouse, but it's $28 million. I don't think it's sold yet, but it's... We're not talking about prices here. Okay, so I, mo- most ideal situation is the Pac Rim penthouse, penthouse two. And what does it look like? It's currently for sale. It's just a massive, massive... It's Dude, it, the it's ceilings... It's got like pool, hot tub, jacuzzi kind of... I don't of think thing. it has a pool, but no. we'll get into my house situation. Okay. So yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I would want an apartment downtown for the weekend like a penthouse downtown for the weekend, probably, yeah, probably in the Cole Harbor area. Yeah. And then uh, for the most part, I would want uh, a house on the water in Point Grey with a pool and a tennis court. On the tennis court? There you go. How many bedrooms? 14. How many? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, well, a pretty massive house on the water in Point Grey with a tennis court and a pool and then a nice penthouse uh, for the weekend downtown that sounds awesome buddy that's the goal well what's your what's your instagram just give a shout out to the your instagram where you work yeah uh so 
if you want to find me on the real estate side of things, Spencer Graffis with Rennie and Associates Realty, uh, spencergraffis.com. Uh, and you can follow me on Instagram, just Spencer Graffis, G-R-A-F-F-O-S. I'll uh, put it in the description. Sounds like a plan. Okay, thanks, thanks for, for coming, guys. Thanks for having me. Peace. Peace. Peace.